Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is October 1st, 2019. We just beat the Rams. Reigning NFC champions. Got the game film all done. Just wrapped it up. Should have the video out tomorrow. So by the time you get this podcast, it'll probably be up. You got that done quick. Don't feel like it. (laughs) (laughs) Been sleeping away all day. It's a tough life. I know. So we learned some new things. There was there was some stuff in here that didn't seem obvious in the broadcast version. You know what seemed obvious? That we won. (laughs) In convincing fashion. And Donovan Smith was killing people. Yeah. That was probably my favorite part of the whole game. You have watched that like 30 times. I have. It's good to see Donovan Smith out there playing tough. Our offensive line is playing tough. I just think if you needed evidence of a culture change, that's it. That's it. Yes. you. T- they turned around Donovan Smith and got him to do what he needed to do. Well, it's not even just Donovan. The whole line is working together. Yes, the whole offensive line is playing Just very a lot well. more effective than they were last year, and we have largely the same unit. I remember everyone was panicking when we got Joe Gilbert because he was the offensive line coach at Indianapolis where Andrew Luck got hurt so many times. Well, he's whooped these guys into shape. I he really like what they're has. doing. Yeah. Hats off to Gilbert. Gilbert, great. All right, what do you got for us? What'd you think? What'd you see? I want to hear what's this new stuff. Well, the new stuff is, and the narrative is that the cornerbacks, our secondary needs to do a better job. Yeah, people are a little upset that they allowed over 500 yards for a quarterback and they put up 40 points on our defense. It wasn't the cornerbacks. Was it the linebackers? Yes, I said this last week. The linebackers and our scheme, uh, we a lot of times we would drop our outside linebackers back into coverage. Nassib, Barrett, which is amazing to me that Barrett, Barrett played 83% of the snaps defensively, and probably 10% of those were him dropping back in coverage. And for him to still be able to get the stats he's getting for sacks, pressures, that's amazing. Was that... The way it was the last game in the Giants game, or no? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, we. Do I a, haven't we, noticed them in coverage that much. We do a lot of shifty stuff on our defense, man. We move around so much. We you never know who's coming. Well, we talked about this in all the off season that it was going to be this way, but you never know who's coming, who's dropping back in coverage, whether the coverage is going to be man, zone, press, whatever. Okay, so what does our lackluster? Well, it, oh. the linebackers. They're the ones that need to get better in coverage, and it's really their zone playing. Mentor is an issue with that. Okay. So it's that. the inside linebackers or both? Yes, it's inside linebackers. Okay. Well, the outside linebackers, you know, when they drop back in coverage, well, it's, it's a lot of – when I say it's the linebackers and the, the scheme, we'll do things like have a cornerback blitz – and the linebacker has to run out there and cover his man. And sometimes he doesn't get there fast enough or there's just a an issue with him getting out there or he doesn't go over far enough, something. So that's when I say it's a you know a scheme problem where we've gotten beat a couple of times because we've got guys running into coverage from the line and they're, they're not getting back there quick enough or they're not getting in the right spots or whatever. Or it's just a good 
offensive play against that type of movement. So is it poor execution of the scheme or the scheme itself? Well, it's going to happen. So I, w- I, don't, I don't think it's really poor execution of the scheme. They'll get better at it as time goes on. It's just how it is. It's just going to work. But the, the cornerbacks, man, they were, they were on these guys like glue. They did a really good job. They did had a lot of pass defense. There were very few times where there was an open receiver. Oh, that's good. Very few. And when Goff was able to throw it, normally the cornerback was right there. You know, made the tackle instantly or whatever. So I, you know, the secondary is not an issue at all. I think they did. They played very well. But what do you say to 517 yards and 40 points? Well, a lot of it, like I said, was scheme in the sense that they, you know, once we had big leads, we would give them cushion and let them come down the field slowly. Now, Goff was really good at throwing these intermediate routes, and a lot of his passes were he shouldn't have made them. I mean, or he should have thrown them anyhow. But then they would make it and. It made him look good. I mean, he threw into some tight windows. There was one time where Nassib and Barrett both dropped back in the coverage and the two inside linebackers blitzed. They dropped straight back. Well, they dropped back and went towards the middle, and they had a guy running across, and he went right between them two, and there was a safety right behind him. So he threw it. There was actually four Buccaneers in that area, and he threw it right in that window. That was actually quite impressive. He really shouldn't have been able to make that throw. But – he was also very bad in a lot of stuff. He missed wide open receivers. He didn't he didn't not see wide open receivers. He would just throw too far, too short. He he had a lot of bad passes. I didn't count them, but I'd say at least six. How much of that was due to him not having enough time in the pocket? Not many. Those six passes I would say were just him throwing bad passes. Mm-hmm. He'd overthrow running backs going for screens. He had an open receiver for a touchdown, and he overthrew the guy. So was he rattled, or? That's possible. He did get some pressure on him. He got hit quite a few times, too. Oh, he did? Yeah. We sandwiched him one time. Levante David and Minter, they came in and met at the quarterback and just squished him. Oh. Goff sandwich. But, yeah, our secondary's fine. Secondary's fine. Linebackers are fine, too. Everything's fine. I mean, we gave, but also, yeah, we gave up 500 yards, but like I said, we were letting them matriculate down the field, and also the the last couple of drives, which were basically garbage time, or at least the last drive, you know, they got like fifty yards. You know, so you take that off, that's four fifty. And then you, if you if you watch it, we did not get beat like the stats say. I mean, Goff threw sixty eight times, and that's less than ten yards per throw. So they were going down the field very slowly, and they weren't going down the field for long distances either. <laughs> you know, they, yeah, no, we're fine. We're fine with the secondary completely. I'd give them a grade of it. B minus or an A minus. They played well. And they actually didn't put up 40 points. They put up less, yeah. Because uh, mom was the pick six. 34. 34. Something like that, yeah. It's a little more palatable, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I don't care. They could have put up 54 points on us. I don't care. And, and they had 1,000 yards. We won. <laughs> yeah. And we're a good team. We look good. They struggled the whole time. Oh, I, I, I forgot to do. Fact check follow up. Fact check. The Rams got within five points of us. Not eight, like I said. Oh, right. Yeah, they got close. They got close. For like two minutes, and then we scored. Yeah, it it wasn't – I never felt threatened. I mean, there was one point in the game where I was like, ooh, uh uh-oh. It was kind of like in the Super Bowl, though, when we were playing. We just dominated the Raiders so bad. There was one point where they got within like seven points or 14 points, and you went, ooh, they might make a comeback. But then you just laugh. It was a little too close. Yeah, you laugh about it after the game. You're like, I can't believe I was ever worried about that. That's how this was. Now, we double-teamed Donald, Aaron Donald 
almost every snap. That's the first time I've ever seen that happen in a professional football game. You hear about it all the time. Uh, McCoy used to say it all the time. Oh, he got double teamed every snap. No, he didn't. And he ran into double teams a lot. You didn't see teams purposely have two guys on Gerald McCoy more than 10% of the time. And a lot of that was designed plays where both tackles would get two offensive linemen on him. No, with Aaron Donald, we pretty much had two guys on him at all times. A few times we had three guys on him. That's incredible. And just that they were so successful. I mean, he had, what, like four tackles? Yeah, he was pretty much ineffective in this game. Now, Whitworth, the number 77, the left tackle for the Rams, did a real good job with Barrett. He he pretty much shut Barrett down. Uh, Barrett's plays came when he was all against other guys. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know how that was going to go. I did notice him doing that thing with his arms. Yeah, the like, tie hold. Yeah. yeah. Where he was just grabbing him in the back and pushing him down. He yeah. got, he got uh, Barrett good with that one time. Took oh, him, he took, took him right to the ground. He's just so big and just has such a weird body proportion. Doesn't look like a He's left like, tackle. No. Reminds me of Lurch. <laughs> the NFL has just got to get rid of kickoffs. Just get rid of them. It's a waste of time. You know, we had guy get hurt. Two guys get hurt on the last kickoff. Uh, it's it's totally ineffective. They neutered the whole play. Guys never get returns. I mean, one out of a thousand, maybe. I think we did the stats on it. It was like 0.01%. It's, it's ridiculous. There was one kickoff return in this. No, maybe two. I'm going to say one, though. I forgot about that last kickoff. So maybe two out of, what, 20? <laughs> I can't remember. There was a lot of kickoffs in this. But it's just, it's useless. It's useless. It's a waste of time on the 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 field but it's more a waste of my time you know you have to sit there they kick off it takes you know 30 seconds or whatever and then there's a commercial break after that usually and then they there's also a flag yeah there's almost always a flag just get rid of them just get rid of them you know if you're gonna make them this weak and boring just get rid of them teams wouldn't have to have a kicker uh a a kickoff guy i can't i can't remember what they're called (laughs) 31 whitehead he's just awesome not really. He made a lot of plays. Oh, he did? Yes. How much? How many plays did he have? He was on the field 94% wow. of the plays. I like that. Defensive snaps. I did, too. Carlton Davis, uh, Mark Edwards, and Levante Davis were all out there 100% of the defensive snaps. But he was all over the place, and he was blitzing. He was pressuring golf. He was tipping balls. He was tackling. He was doing all kinds of stuff. But he's got a lot of energy in the sense that he brings a lot of energy to the team. Like after plays, he'll be clapping his hands and jumping up and down. Like a Quan replacement. Might be. Another thing, but this ties into what we saw, on what we know about this team. You can't run on us. You can't do it. You just can't run on us. They had one good run. I think it was 13 yards, and they scored a touchdown on it. Gurley did. I mean, they had, what, like 27 yards combined or something? I feel like they're not even trying anymore. Yeah, we had a lot of TFLs on Gurley. Yeah, it, the Rams gave up on it. They were like, we can't run on these people. They didn't try too hard either. Mm-mm. 68 passive plays. I bet Goff's arm is numb still. Uh, we started to play a little bit off coverage after we got up 21. Before that, we were just about strictly man coverage, but then we started mixing in off coverage. We were actually playing more off coverage and zone than we were a man after that point. And that's when they started to come back. Yeah, that's why we we started letting them matriculate down the field and just run clock off. On the girly 13-yard touchdown run up the middle, the linebackers failed on that one. And then there was bad tackling by the cornerbacks and Edwards, safety. 
Those runs by Rojo that were called back, were you able to look at the penalties? Yes. Uh, one of them was Godwin came in motion and then set on formation at the line, but he wasn't there for a full second, stopped before they snapped the ball. They're blaming that on Jameis Winston. He should have he should have known, but he had his head turned the other way. Uh, that was a legitimate penalty. And that was for illegal motion. Correct. It's a kind of a BS penalty. I wanted to look through the rest of the game and see, because you see it happen all the time. And sometimes they call it, sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. It affected the play none whatsoever. On that play, I think it was Kappa. It just did a great block. It just opened up that hole. Uh, the other one, they were legitimate holds. Both of the tight ends held on that play. And that's that's the reason why Ronald Jones was able to get as far as he got. Oh. was because <laughs> of those holds. Yeah. <laughs> both of those tight ends just held their guys, opened up a hole, and he ran right through it. So they were both legitimate Dang it. penalties, I know. But we had a lot of illegitimate children, too. <laughs> illegitimate penalties. That one massive got called for. Oh, it was right at the end, too. Unnecessary. Hitting the quarterback. Something like that. Unnecessary roughness. Something. On that one, it should have been intentional grounding for, by Goff. He threw a pass almost exactly like Winston did a couple weeks ago where he got called for intentional grounding. Threw it out of the end zone while he was being pressured. He was in the pocket. They didn't call it on Goff, but then they called that hit on Nassib, and that was just totally weak, totally weak. And then there was the call on Nacho for unnecessary roughness when he on the they were trying to field goal. Now, he went the, – the rule is you can't line up over the center – on a field goal, the long snapper. You have to be outside his shoulder pads. You can't run into him, and you can't hit him in the head. Well, Nacho didn't do any of that. He tried to shoot in the gap between the center and the guard, and the guard pushed him into the center a little bit. But, I mean, Nacho just went through the gap. How that was unnecessary roughness, I have no idea. It was was a stupid, stupid penalty. There were others, too, I think, but I can't remember. I pointed some out in the... In the video. I'll see it tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) But the big thing, the big thing that I saw in the game or in the film that I didn't see in the game as much. I mean, the the All-22 changed my mind about this. Jameis Winston played excellent. I mean, excellent. He had uh, two bad passes, one bad decision, and one receiver that was open that he didn't see. Now, we all know he played a pretty good game and you know, manage the game and all that. But he was making some great throws, making great decisions. He didn't leave any yardage out on the field. That interception, people might be thinking that was a one bad decision. Not at all. That wasn't his fault at all. Mike Evans was open down the sideline. And Mike would have gone for a touchdown. There was a safety coming over top to help. But Evans had gotten in that zone between the cornerback and the safety. He was open. And Winston stepped up to throw the ball, and the guy that Donovan Smith was blocking leaned over and hit Winston as he threw it, mm-hmm. caused the ball to come up short. The guy was able to intercept it. But, yeah, I mean, Mike Evans was 10 feet past that guy and blazing down the field. Winston had him, but he got hit. And it really wasn't Donovan Smith's fault. I mean, Donovan Smith could have, I guess, not let that guy get that close, but you know, he held him for a decent amount of time. The guy just happened to lean over and hit Winston as he threw the ball. So it wasn't Winston's fault. Winston played a great game. He's looked better and better every week. Yes, he has. So I'm, he, He's trying to get paid, too, like Shaq. 
<laughs> they fight over the Bucks cap money next year. <laughs> <laughs> there was a couple of things uh, in the video that I found interesting. One, in the Donovan Smith hit, when he hit that guy, one of the Rams players came over to Donovan Smith because Donovan Smith looked like he might have been shaken up too or something. He was like on one knee. And the Rams guy immediately came over to Donovan Smith and bent down and put his arm over him, like around his shoulders, and started talking into his ear. And this went on for a few seconds. I don't know what he was saying. You know, it was probably like, the guy survived. You're going to be okay. This isn't a manslaughter charge. I don't know what it was. But that was while Marcus Peters was still on the ground. Everybody was celebrating. This guy immediately went over to Donovan Smith and started saying something to him. Yes, uh, There was another play. Remember the play where uh, the cornerback for the Rams got the uh, unnecessary roughness for hitting, I think it was Godwin out of bounds or shoved him and all started a fight on the sidelines. Well, during that play, one of our coaches got hurt. Uh, he got hit. I can't tell if it was in the face or in the back of the head with a helmet Whoa. when everybody was scrumming over there. Yeah, I mean, he was bowled over. He was, you know, had his hands on his uh, thighs bent over, holding his face. I wonder who it was. Don't know. I would say the defensive coordinator. No, it wasn't Todd Bowles. It was somebody on the defensive side because he was over on the defensive side of the ball right at the line of scrimmage just about. Oh, I do not remember seeing that on the broadcast. No, you wouldn't have seen it on the broadcast. They didn't show it. A lot of little skirmishes going on. We played a very physical game. Mike Evans was out there throating people. <laughs> uh, Jensen was just, you know, being Jensen. He was fighting with everybody after every snap just about, you know, just pushing them and stuff. They didn't take too kindly of that. Marpet even got into it one time. Oh, he did? Yeah. With Jensen and somebody else? No. Or on his own? On his own. Oh, that's nice. What do you think about Rojo versus... Peyton. Rojo does seem to be more dynamic. He hits those holes a little bit harder. Neither one of them have what I would consider great vision. I think they miss some holes, but Rojo is more likely to be able to pop through. Yeah, he's a little more slippery of the two. Like, they can get a hand on him, and he can kind of evade, whereas Peyton will run right into him. Right. I think they're they're both good running backs. So. Uh, Rojo does seem to have the better balance and feet and all that, but Peyton is the tougher Running back. How did Vita do? He did all right. Did all right. Still hasn't stepped up to the point I want him to. Sue did pretty good, too. How many times were they double teamed? Did you keep track of that, Sue and Vita? Because I think I saw it on Twitter where they had been double teamed a lot. Eh, it didn't really stand out to me. It didn't? No. But I, did, I didn't count either. I mean, they were, they were singled quite a bit, but... You know, those guys are going to get double teamed just by the nature of schemes. Right. No matter who's in there, that position is going to get double teamed a lot. I'm sure there's plenty of stuff I'm forgetting. I didn't write down notes as I'm doing the film work. I mean, I did write down some, but not for everything. So, you know, there's plenty of stuff on the, the video that is interesting. Things I found interesting. I need to really need to come up with like a series name for that stuff. If anybody's got any ideas, let me know. You know, it's just I watch game film and I like to watch the Jimmys and Joes and see what happened. Get a different perspective of the game. But I could say this. We are a damn good team. Damn good. I think it would be safe to say at this point we have arguably the best defensive line in football. Even our backups, our second stringers, are good. Our offensive line has played well. Cornerbacks played very well. Secondary did well. Edwards, you know, he, he's got a problem with coming in at bad angles for tackles sometimes. But, you know, he's, he's doing all right, I guess. I don't see him, like, screwing up a lot. You know, where you go, oh, Edward, you suck. There's nobody on the team like that. Nobody. I know. I was just thinking about that. We said that all the time last year. Oh, man. We're, we're just like, oh, this player is so infuriating. Mostly it was Brent Grimes, but occasionally it was oh, other yeah. people. Brent Grimes was 
hard. It was a labor getting through his game film. And Donovan Smith has been for like four years now. And Justin Evans. I've had a hard time watching some of his game film. That Chicago game. Whew. Ryan Smith will be back next week from yeah. the suspension. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very confident we're going to go into New Orleans and just beat the mess out of them. I feel better about it, too. After beating the Rams, I'm like, we can take the Saints, especially without Drew Brees. The only thing I worry about with the Saints is Sean Payton. Yes. He's a good coach. He is a and good coach. he's very strategic. Yeah, I hate to say it, but he's a he's a he's a he's a decent coach. <laughs> he's not like top tier. Like Billichek is on a level of his own, and then there's kind of the the right below Bill Belichick. Yeah, if you grade it on Bill Belichick as an A plus, everybody else like the next ones would be A minuses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Belichick is that's that far ahead of everybody. So I don't have any issue with going to New Orleans. I don't think anybody in the Buccaneer fan base does. Of course, you're going to hear grumblings. People are going to say, oh, we're you know, our secondaries are going to get torched by Michael Thomas. No, nah, they're not. You know, we're going to give up some big plays. This defense is just built that way. But they're not going to, we're not going to get blown out. Nobody's going to be able to blow us out. The days of being blown out are gone. Thank God. Where we're scrambling from behind for four quarters. So, yeah. A lot of positive stuff from the game film. But you wouldn't know that listening to the media. I was just going to ask you about this. The announcers made it seem like it was all the Rams. I would give it to Gerald Goff did not have a good game. He Was he, that because of us or uh, was it just him? Hard to say, but he threw a lot of errant passes that could have helped the team a lot. We still would have beat him. But you, know, you can make the case that Goff did not play a very good game. But yeah, the announcers were all like... This is just the Rams playing bad. No, it was the Buccaneers playing good football. They don't want to give us any credit for that. But the, even the local media is. Did you see a, a Pewter Report put out their most disappointing article? They, after every game, they put out an article, the most disappointing players for that game. And uh, Bruce Arian's son. Jake Arians. Tweeted back at him and was like, are you serious after that game? That's what you're going to pull out is disappointing? So they had to explain to him that it was a... A feature that they do every week, no matter what. I'm with them, and I'm glad that we have somebody who is not in the organization, but is close enough to the organization to have some clout and then have them say something. Yes, that is nice. And Chris Arians is like that, too. Mm -hmm. Her and Jake are with the refs. I've seen them tweet things about the refs, too. That's good. You want that. I do. Yeah. You want that. But then even worse than that. Here we go. We've got this bumbling idiot from the Tampa Bay Times, Thomas Bassinger. Again, now this guy is purportedly the data analyst, sports data analyst or some crap like that. I don't know, Tampa Bay Times. He writes articles that... Use numbers occasionally. Yeah, they're not even worth reading. He's Somebody had tweeted out that Gerald McCoy was not as good as Sue. That Sue was better than Gerald McCoy. That was Pewter Report. Okay, Pewter Report had tweeted that out. Well... It hurt Thomas Bassinger's feelings some more. He's still pining over his long-lost love, I guess. So he tweets out that Sue's scoop and score was ridiculous, that it was of no use, it was meaningless, and actually hurt the team. (laughs) I've never heard of someone saying points hurt a team. (laughs) I mean, if you look at the math, the guy's right. I mean, it went from being a 99.8% chance of winning to a 99.6% chance of winning or something ridiculous like that. I mean, mathematically, he could make the case for it. But the guy's so biased that we know it wasn't the math he was talking about. 
He just hates that Sue is whooping his golden boy, Gerald McCoy. It's the wrong 93 out on the field, according to him. The disrespect. He tweeted out that, This is what the unnecessary Sue touchdown got the Bucks. Good job. Here's an equation. No injuries is greater than injuries. And then he had the play-by-play of uh, two of our Buck players getting hurt on the kickoff after Sue scored. It's just ridiculous. It's it's embarrassing that he's even part of Tampa Bay media. He just kept going on about it. Eventually, Greg Allman tweeted at him and was like, are you still going on about this? Yeah, a day later. He's still going. I mean, it's a long, long thread. He's arguing with people. And, and people are like, just shut up, dude. You know, you're, you're making a jerk out of yourself. And it, it's true. If you watch... The sidelines, there's a clip of Bruce Arians running over and hugging Jameis Winston when Sue made that score. Jameis Winston, I mean, they were just like, oh, I love you, I love you too. I mean, the sideline was jumping up and down and all that good stuff. Come on, you can't replace that with a fall on the ball. No. Embarrassing. And this guy, Andy also started talking about the Eagles too, about how this happened during an Eagles game and so-and-so year and the guy fell on the ball or whatever. You know, it was like... He's an Eagles fan, so you know he hates the Bucks because we've been whooping their butt behinds for so long. Close the bet down on them. One of the most, the most iconic play in Buccaneers history, Rondé Barber picking off Donovan McNabb and returning it for a pick six to take us to the Super Bowl. That's in his face. He's got to live that every day while he's at work. <laughs> so anyhow, Bassinger's just really butt hurt. But that's, I mean, the media is all, you know, well, you know, there's 500 yards given up in our secondary and blah, 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 blah. No, don't listen to them at all. They're wrong. They're wrong. I'm here to tell you our secondary is good. But I love seeing Greg Allman give that pushback. I did, too, because he is very much the reasonable. And Thomas Jass- Bassinger, I think, likes to think he's a man of reason and logic. He's not. He's not. He's biased. Anybody, what is this the saying? There's... Three types of lies, lies. Damn lies and statistics. statistics. Yeah, he just twists numbers around to make them. I mean, I, I'll sit there and I'll just twist numbers right back around and go, well, this is what these numbers say. So anyhow, don't listen to the media. I mean, they're going to him and haw about the Saints coming up and talk about our secondary, complain about things. But no, it's a good team. And even, even if we were by chance to lose to the Saints, it's still going to be a good game. We're going to be competitive. I mean, we're contenders. We are contenders. I'm having a hard time finding a football team watch to watch that's as good as us. So, boom, we're a damn good team. Large possibility we're going deep into the playoffs. We have the top, <laughs> the top sack leader, a top five quarterback, and a receiver. <laughs> We've got <laughs> three of the top five positions are Buccaneers. Across the NFL. Across the NFL. Jameis Winston's passer rating versus the Blitz, 158.3. You can't blitz on us either. A lot of stuff you can't do on us. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers currently hold the number three best offense in terms of points scored. Hard to argue with those numbers, Thomas Bassinger. Let's <laughs> try it. <laughs> ah, ah, that's a good one. And I even saw a lot of comments about Buccaneer fans that went to the game that were surprised at how many Buccaneer fans there were at the game. So there were a lot. That is awesome. The tailgate for the Buccaholics was sold out. Yeah, that was nice. Those pictures were nice. Yeah. Wish we could have gone. There's a lot of New Orleans fans that turn out, though, at their home stadium. Oh, yeah. I would love to see a contingent of bucks there, but... That'd be nice. But in this game, you can say, man, James Winston did excellent. Receivers did well. Offensive line did well. Running backs did well. 
the team performed well, tight ends. Every position group performed well. The coaches did good, and the fan base did good. And guess what? Got to win. And we beat the snot out of them. Yes, we did. Controlled that game. Dominated. NFC champions. Boom, in your face. Nobody picked us to win. Except me, you, and Rock Riley. Oh, and Martin Gramatica. But he always picks the Bucks. He's like me. We're homers. We're homers. Homers. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, We will have the next podcast out Friday. We're going to be covering the upcoming game against the Saints. Molly's going to do her write-up, her Know Your Enemy. We've got a lot of information on the Saints. We've only been doing this for about seven years. (laughs) (laughs) Ralph knows the Saints. Molly knows the Saints. Aren't they your second favorite team? I will. Get a domestic (laughs) violence assault charge right now. (laughs) All righty. Guys, be proud. Wear your colors proud all week long. Wear them them proud all the time. But, man, stick stick your chest out a couple inches further. That was a good win. We're a damn good team. Celebrate these wins and ride the hell out of them. Till next time. Go Bucks.